Peace be upon you. So when God gives a uh, prophecy in the Quran, usually if someone reads it without the uh, the context of the actual event, it seems very uh, almost mystical. Uh, example of this in 2782, it reads, uh, at the, the right time we will produce for them a creature made of earthly materials, declaring that the people are not certain about our revelations. And if someone read this, they would think like, okay, what kind of you know mystical creature is this going to be made of earthly materials? And the Messenger of the Covenant explains that this is actually a computer. And the uh, earthly materials is that, you know, predominant uh, computer chips are made of silicon, which is sand. Uh, and when you see it in that context, like, okay, it makes sense. Uh, another example is in chapter 54, verse 1, it says, The hours come closer and the moon has split. And, you know, hearing this or reading this, you think like, wow, the moon's going to split. It seems very, uh, uh, a lot grander than what it actually is. And in actuality, what it means is that in 1969, when they landed on the moon, and they uh, took off, they took some moon rock with them. And those astronauts that uh, took off from the ground, they literally split the moon. Uh, now that we have chunks of the moon from that uh, mission here on Earth, we saw the witnessing of the splitting of the moon. And this corresponds with the mathematical miracle of the Quran, when it says the hours come closer and the moon has split. They saw a great miracle, but they turned away and said old magic. And we know that in uh, 1974, so just a few years after the landing and departing of the moon, um, that we uh, were blessed with the mathematical miracle of the Quran. So sometimes when we read these things in the uh, in the Quran, it seems hard to understand. And one of the ones that I wanted to talk about was uh, specifically uh, regarding Gog and Magog. And um, I did a podcast recently on the topic and just uh, wanted to throw this in there. I uh, forgot to include it and add some uh, extra bits. So Let's read what it says, in, predominantly written in chapter 18. The subtitle is Zulkarnain, the one with the two horns or two generations. They ask you about Zulkarnain. Say, I will narrate to you some of his history. We granted him authority on earth and provided him with all kinds of means. Then he pursued one way. When he reached the far west, he found the sun setting in a vast ocean and found people there. We said, O oh, Zulkarnain, you can rule as you wish, either punish or be kind to them. He said, As for those who transgress, we will punish them. Then, when they return to their Lord, he will commit them to more retribution. As for those who believe and lead a righteous life, they receive a good reward. We will treat them kindly. Then he pursued another way. When he reached the far east, he found the sun rising on people who had nothing to shelter them from it. Naturally, we were fully aware of everything he found out. He then pursued another way. When he reached the valley between the two palisades, he found people whose language was barely understandable. Understandable. Gog Magog. They said, O Zulkarnain, Gog and Magog are corruptors of the earth. Can, you, can we pay you to create a barrier between us and them? He said, My Lord has given me great bounties. If you cooperate with me, I will build a dam between you and them. Bring to me masses of iron. Once he filled the gap between the two palisades, he said, Blow. Once it was red hot, he said, Help me pour tar on top of it. Thus they could not climb it, nor could they bore holes in it. They said, he said, this is the mercy for my Lord. When the prophecy of my Lord comes to pass, he will cause the dam to crumble. And the prophecy of my Lord is truth. At that time, we will let them invade with one another. Then the horn will be blown and we will summon them all together. We will present hell on that day to the disbelievers. They are the ones whose eyes were too veiled to see my message, nor could they hear. Do those who disbelieve think that they can get away with setting up my servants as gods beside me? We have prepared for the disbelievers hell as an eternal abode. So there's a lot of kind of a, a metaphor in this, and I wanted to tackle some of these. And um, the first one is in regards to Zulkarnain. So it says the one with two horns or two generations. And from the previous podcast, we discussed how this is most likely uh, Cyrus the Great. 
And um, two reasons for that is uh, Cyrus had two generations who came after him who were uh, kings of uh, Persia. Uh, so he had uh, Campses and then Dariush, uh, who uh, each were uh, preceding kings before the uh, empire was uh, uh, toppled down. In addition, when it says two horns, what's interesting is if you read the Bible in a cha uh, Daniel chapter 8, we read um, basically the, the king, uh, Belshazzar of uh, uh, Babylon, has a dream. And he's asking uh, uh, Daniel about it. It says, uh, I looked up and saw a ram standing beside the river. It had two horns. Both horns were long, but one was longer than the other. And the longer one came up second. I saw the ram charging westward and northward and southward. All beasts were powerless to withstand it, and no one could rescue from its power. It did as it pleased and became strong. So in this uh, chapter 8 of Daniel, we're reading that... Um, uh, King Bel uh, Belshazzar had this dream about the ram with two horns. And Daniel interprets this dream in verse 20 of chapter 8. Uh, it says, As for the ram that you saw with the two horns, these are the kings of Media and Persia. And we know Cyrus the Great, uh, the story behind him is his uh, father, Astyagus, um, had a dream that um, uh, his daughter's son was going to take over his empire. And uh, Asiagus was a Midian, and the Persians were kind of like the uh, subservient uh, nation uh, under them. They were uh, less powerful. So what Asiagus did is had his daughter marry uh, the king of Persia, thinking that, you know, he wouldn't have a genetic lineage of uh, uh, Midian blood and he wouldn't be less of a threat. Uh, the story gets a little more convoluted. It's actually uh, quite, uh, quite an awesome story. Uh, but long story short, uh, when Cyrus conquers uh, uh, Media, he unites Media and Persia under one empire. And um, this is kind of the symbolism between the uh, the ram with two horns. So when we read in chapter 18 that Cyrus uh, is saying, uh, Zulkarnay, the one with two horns, um, we can interpret it in the sense that he had two generations of Persian kings after him, and also that uh, he was uh, defined in um, uh, Daniel chapter 8 as uh, the ram with two horns. So the other aspect I wanted to talk about is this uh, uh, Gog and Magog. And um, what's really fascinating is, you know, recently we've been hearing a lot of this uh, talk about the uh, AI apocalypse, the, the fact that artificial intelligence is going to take over and just, you know, utterly uh, destroy uh, humankind. Uh, this has been ongoing for uh, sci-fi since uh, Terminator, but recently with some uh, uh, talks about uh, from Elon Musk, uh, Sam Harrison, um, and a number of other uh, uh, individuals, like prominent individuals, they were saying that, look, you know, this AI threat is serious and we need to do something about it. Now, what's interesting about that is, you know, for a long time, I thought it was kind of all um, uh, hoopla, uh, overblown. And I, I still believe that their timeline is vastly off uh, as far as how long it's going to be until it's a serious threat. But one thing that came out that was really interesting was uh, in the same month, so this was in July when uh, Elon Musk uh, made the claim and then a bunch of people started backing him up. There was a uh, blog uh, from uh, Facebook, and it was talking about they were trying to run an experiment uh, in regards to chatbots with a negotiation. And what they did is they were having chatbots negotiate with people and negotiate with one another. And one of the constraints that they for forgot to uh, implement is that the chatbots were supposed to only speak English. And um, this story has been overhyped and kind of overblown, but I just wanted to get to the meat of it. And one of the things that happened is when these chatbots started negotiating with one another, they formed their own uh, kind of shorthand as far as when they were negotiating. Uh, and the, uh, the researchers couldn't comprehend what was being said. And they realized that these uh, uh, chatbots were realizing that, hey, if you know, uh, they use these uh, uh, verbiage, 
that they can expedite the negotiation to get the, uh, the, the better outcome. And it's really fascinating since when you look at artificial intelligence, what it's doing, it's looking for uh, pattern recognition and being able to execute on that pattern recognition. And um, what this got me thinking was, it's interesting that these chatbots, they were creating their own language. And again, this, this uh, story was, you know, uh, super centralized and uh, very hyped up from what actually happened. They said, oh, the researchers were freaking out that they're creating their own language and they shut it down. And realistically, when you actually read the report, uh, what happened was they said, well, the purpose of this chatbot is to speak with humans. And if it's speaking in its own language, it's not very relevant. So they basically changed the, uh, the code uh, to make it uh, speak English. And um, what it made me think of is this concept in uh, when it's in Gogamagog, where it says, uh, well, when Zul Karnayin, it says, let me find the verse, in uh, 1893, it says, when he reached the valley between the two palisades, he found people whose language was barely understandable. And it made me think in regards to that these are chatbots uh, that have created a language that's barely understandable. When you read the text, like, okay, you can decipher what's being happening, but you don't, don't really realize how they came to that understanding um, in the code. And um, one thing that recently has become, you know, more and more, uh, it seems like every year there's new breaches. There was one with uh, Target, Home Depot, now the latest one with Equifax, where cybersecurity has become a, a very serious threat. Uh, the Equifax uh, breach for, you know, released the social security numbers and credit card information for 143 million people, pretty much the entire adult population of the United States. And um, it makes you think in the sense that if these uh, uh, AI uh, uh, technologies are used towards cybersecurity, uh, the insurmountable damage that it could cause. And um, some of the other aspects that it makes me think in the sense that, you know, Gogum Gog in the future might just be a form of a uh, AI virus gone rogue is um, when the people ask uh, Zolkarnain in 94, it says, create a barrier between us and them. Uh, and that they're, where's the other one? It says, uh, um, when it refers to, oh, Zolkarnain, yeah. Uh, so 94 again, since they said, Ozo Karnain, Gog and Magog are corruptors of the earth. Can we pay you to create a barrier between us and them? One of the popular things that's used in, you know, anyone who's uh, worked in the enterprise is, uh, or even at home now, it's uh, the concept of firewall. So a firewall is designed to be able to block uh, external uh, uh, agents from penetrating within a network. And it sounds similar to the sense of says, uh, you know, they're corruptors of the earth. So you think about this as kind of like a, a malware that's uh, populating the network. And they're asking Zol Karnain to create a barrier between us and them. And what else it says here, uh, when Zol Karnain, after creating the barrier in 97, says, thus they could not climb it, nor could they bore holes in it. And um, again, this is similar in the sense of cybersecurity is one of the, the, the testing mechanisms that they do. Uh, when they set up a, a firewall uh, or kind of a secure network, it's called a, a penetration testing or pen testing. And what that does is you're trying to penetrate within the network in order to be able to access inside the network to pull the data that you want and get control of the, uh, uh, the, um, uh, the, the infrastructure uh, within the network. And in this example, Zocarnain, he creates a barrier, so you can assume that's like a firewall, and then he uh, stops them from being able to penetrate that network. Um, and again, this is uh, metaphorical. This is all hypothetical. I just thought of the, the parallelism was very interesting. And um, to me, it seems like, I mean, that's a, it's a possibility that Gog and Magog in the future uh, is going to be some form of uh, malware that's going to infiltrate the, uh, uh, the, the world population. 
in the sense that if you think about it, um, as things advance, everything's going to become more and more connected. Right now we have about, uh, I think there's more smartphones with connectivity than there's people. And eventually every single device we have, every single uh, piece of electronics is going to somehow be connected to the Internet, uh, if not more. Um, to the point where a lot of things that today are uh, have no electronics will eventually be uh, connected as well. And if you had a piece of virus that could go and cause havoc to all this, you think of what life would be like uh, in that time. And um, God's Messenger kind of explains to us what this is all conferring to in the footnote. So in the footnote of 2196, this is by the year 2270 AD, thanks to God's mathematical miracle in the Quran, America will be the heart of Islam, and billions around the globe will have believed in the Quran. Gog and Magog, allegorical names of villainous uh, communities, will be the only bastions of heathenism, and they will attack the submitters. That is when the world will end. Gog and Magog are mentioned in 1894 and 2196, 17 verses before the end of each surah. This may indicate the time of their appearance. And um, we see again in uh, appendix, I believe it's 25, in regards to the end of the world, it says, uh, number six, Gog and Magog. They reappear in accordance with God's plan in the year 1700 AH, so after Hijra, or 2271 AD. Gog and Magog are mentioned in 1894-2196. If you count the verses from 1894 to the end of Surah 18, you find uh, that there's 17 verses. If you count the verses from 2196 to the end of Surah 21, you also find 17 verses. Uh, this is the Quranic sign that Gog and Magog will reappear uh, 1700 AH, which represents 17 lunar centuries. And um, one of the, uh, the things is we see that in the footnote of 2296, it references the year 2270 A.D. And then in uh, the appendix, it references the year 2271 A.D. And the reason is, is because the lunar uh, year doesn't correspond perfectly to the uh, calendar year. Uh, so you can kind of narrow down when that time period is going to be. Um, but uh, all these, again, it's just uh, I thought this was interesting. I wanted to get something out quick. And um, just to recap, is when God usually gives these prophecies, he writes them in such a language that um, before the fact, it kind of, it's kind of hard to grasp what he means. But then after the fact, it becomes apparent. And uh, this is just a, a theory that maybe Gog and Magog uh, aren't uh, creatures like, uh, you know, uh, animals that we see, but they're more like the uh, creatures in regards to uh, 2278, uh, sorry, 2782, when God is referring to the computer as a creature. And um, maybe it's a... a, a uh, virus that's going to infect the uh, uh, the population, and it's going to make uh, life very destructive for the people at that time. And um, I thought I would just share that. If you guys got comments or questions, hit us up at QuranTalk at gmail.com or, uh, or on Twitter at TalkQuran. And until next time, peace and God bless. All right, so I was just about to hit publish on the podcast and realized I made a mistake. Uh, I mentioned that Cyrus had two uh, kings that came after him and mentioned uh, Campses and Darius, and that's not entirely true. So uh, Campses was Cyrus's uh, son, but he died early, and there's some speculation around how he died. And Darius took over as the, the king of the Persian Empire, but he wasn't genetically related to Cyrus. So what Darius did is he married all the daughters that uh, Cyrus left behind and um, made sure that he wasn't going to be threatened by the throne. And with one of those daughters, he had the son Xerxes, who took over as Persian king, uh, before the uh, Persian Empire was toppled. Uh, another interesting point, just forgot to mention, is Cyrus the Great, before he had that name, was just known as Cyrus II. His grandfather was Cyrus I, and this kind of corresponds with the concept of two horns, two generations, uh, that it was Cyrus II. Uh, just want to end it there. Thanks.